Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, can we give him praise? Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this moment once again to uh, open up your word and to learn from you. Speak to our hearts. Minister to us, Lord God. Let not one of us leave this place the same, whether we're here physically or digitally. We thank you, Lord God, that, our, that the, the word of God will change us, challenge us, and give us a charge to take uh, steps in our everyday life to live for you in these last days. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you again. Uh, it's always wonderful and blessed to uh, be here the way, um, what an introduction, I tell you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Richard. Um, this is family for me and my wife, Tanya, and my girls, Alexis and Jordan. We always, there's, there's always conversation. We always think about you. Um, and every opportunity I get to come back here, I am here. Uh, it is just a, a blessing to me. This morning, I want to talk to you and share with you from something that's in my heart. It's on choosing God in the moment. Choosing God in the moment. You know, in school, um, I have to say, and I don't say this to encourage anybody to do the same, but when I was in school, I just d didn't like school. I didn't like all the things that came with it, especially test time, mainly because I didn't do what I needed to do. And I thank God for uh, every day. I pray and thank God for teachers. They are amazing. They have to put up with people like me. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for our teachers and educators. The only time I would get, ex there was two things that got me, three things that got me excited about school. Uh, of course, one was uh, playing football. When I played football, it was great sports. Two, my second favorite thing about school was lunch. I was on the honor roll. <laughs> and the third thing about school I got excited about in terms of education was multiple choice tests. You had a 50-50 chance of getting it right, especially if you did not study. And I believe in life that we have choices every single day. We have choices facing us every single day, and God's Word challenges us to choose God in the moment, even when you don't have all of the answers. Choosing God be, uh, before I'm faced with the circumstance. How can I do that? Well, the Bible is clear about it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, the Bible says today, everybody say today. today. Notice how it, the emphasis, he opens this scripture up saying today, not tomorrow. There are people saying, I'll choose, I'm going to choose God when I get out of high school. Or I'm going to choose God when I get this or that. No, he says today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, everybody say now. Yeah. Look how Look how detailed, how specific the Word of God is. Now, right now, I call on heaven and earth and witness the choice you make. God is looking 
at the choices we make now. Right now, are from the south where I'm from in Texas, we say right now. Right now, God is looking at our choices that we make. And look what it goes on to say. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Whether you have children or one day will have children, the choices that you make now impacts their life. The choices that you make now. Now, I know there are choices you made yesterday, you made, uh, you know, last year. Let's, let's not think about that. Let's think about the choices we make right now. He goes on to say, and I love this scripture, but it gives us instructions, gives us the answers. By the way, one of the things I love about multiple choice, that the answer was always there. The answer was right there in front of me. I just didn't always know it. But God is giving us the answer to how to choose him in the moment. Look at verse 20. You can make this choice by first loving the Lord your God. Everybody say loving the Lord. Choosing God in the moment starts with loving God first. Then he goes on to say obeying him. Now, it's one thing to love God. It's a second thing to obey him. You see, a lot of people love God. It's obvious you love him. You wouldn't be here. You, you go where you love. You, you invest in what you love. But the reality is, will you obey him? And that's the key. That's the second key to choosing God in the moment. And then the third thing he says here, and committing yourself firmly to him, this is the key to your life. People are looking for answers. We're taking master classes. We're looking for all kinds of things. How can I, what's the key to life? What's the key to success in life? The Bible tells us right here, the key to life starts with loving God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. If I do that, it gives me the answer, or it gives me the key to my life, and it helps me to choose him in the moment. And if you love and obey the Lord your God, you'll live long in the land. The Lord swore to give his ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do we mean when we say choosing him in the moment? I hope you're taking notes because this is life-changing today. In the moment is defined as to be fully focused and present in the exact single point of time, or in this exact single point of time. It means to be fully focused, that no matter what the situation is, tomorrow, next week, right now, I'm going to stay fully focused on God, that nothing can come at me that's going to pull me away from God. In that moment, I'm going to always, the moment, it simply means right now, currently, present, at this time, I'm going to choose God. You know, when I think about moments in life, there's a lot of great moments. I have a lot of proud moments. I have a lot of fun moments. There's so many fun moments, uh, unforgettable moments in life, and emotional moments in life, scary moments in life, even awkward moments in life. You ever had an awkward moment? We all have awkward moments, you know, that sometimes like, oh, what, do I, what, what, what do I do right now? I don't know what to do right now. But there, there are awkward moments that we have. But there is nothing more powerful than godly moments. 
Godly moments. There are moments that God showed me in my life, this is me. I am here with you. And I'm so grateful for all the amazing moments that I've had in life, but nothing like the moment when God showed up in my life. They're priceless. You know, I can think of just two or three, and two or three of them, one, of course, the one I gave my life to Jesus. I'll never forget that moment. I know that moment. I was 14 years old on a basketball court in the projects in Houston, Texas, and a man comes over with a church bus and, and some donuts and asking uh, uh, us, will we give Jesus five minutes of our life? And, and, and really, we, I, I did. That day, I gave Jesus five minutes uh, uh, of my life, and that, that moment changed my life forever. Two, I remember the moment my beautiful bride said I do to me and I said I do to her almost 33 years ago. That was a beautiful moment and God was right there. I, I remember the moment both of my beautiful daughters were born. Those moments are priceless and, and special, but God, his word tells us that he wants us to be, he wants to be in every moment of our life, not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays and not just when there's special causes and, and calls on our life like tomorrow night when you go to that school and protest this, uh, the, the devil and all the things he's trying to do. But every day, every moment, God, I invite you into my life. I choose you, Lord, every single moment. The Bible says in Psalms 33 and 4, for the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. The word of the Lord holds true, folks. He holds true, and we can trust everything he does. And we can even add to this, in every moment of our life. Do you know that every moment, you have 86,000 moments every single day? You have 31 million moments in a year, 2 billion moments in a lifetime if you live past 70. And, and, and it's, here, here's the reality with all the moments that you have. What are you doing with the 86,000 moments you have today? Will you choose God with those 86,000 moments? Is God invited to be a part of your life, of your 86,000 moments? Or is God just a, uh, there's just a few moments for him this morning. Uh, you know, God, I put these moments and I make these moments to you, but every moment and every day should be choosing God to be right in the middle of your life. That's how you have abundant life. That's how you have success in life. What decisions are you making with your moments with God? What's your choice? What's the choice? Well, a choice is simply an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. You know, I have, a, I have an image, and I hope the media team have this. I didn't talk with them. But I have an image of something when I was a you know, kid. I remember watching Tom and Jerry. Anybody remember Tom and Jerry? And, and Tom would always be faced with this possibility of two or more choices. He had the, the, the devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. And this is how much of what life is like. We got all of these choices that we're faced with every single day. 
On one's shoulder, there's the devil telling you, do this. Curse her out. She deserves every word of it. Uh, uh, the, the, the devil's telling you, that's not fair. You go ahead. And then you have the voice of God saying, no, 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 don't do that. The voice of God says, love, forgive. A choice is an act of selecting or making a decision when we're faced with two or more choices every day. But my challenge to you is that you must choose now. Choose God now. Matter of fact, I'll go this far to say that we must choose God now for, we must choose now what our choice will be later. You can choose now what your choice will be later. You see, if I get in a car and I drive and someone chooses to run me off the road, I've already made my mind up what my choice is going to be regarding them. I don't wait. I don't wait, because you know why? If not, that, that devil over there said, you, oh, you know what? You, road rage. Well, we know what road rage gets us today. Road rage gets you uh, grave rage. How can I do that? How can I choose now what I'm going to choose later? This, it's easy. Here's the thing I want to give you. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is a motto of my life. This is an anthem that I live by. My choice is God's choice because God's choice is the right choice. My choice is God's choice. What would, you know, remember the old saying, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus choose in that situation that you're in? There's someone right now, you're in a very difficult situation and there's some things that you, you know, you're having to make some decisions. What would Jesus do? My choice is God's choice because God's choice is the right choice. I trust God to be God and to know all. He's sovereign. And so, Father God, I trust you. That's my prayer before I even get into a, 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 a challenge where my prayer is prayed. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 tells us, look at this, talks about right now. We always been thinking about next year. Everybody's thinking about what's next. Think about what's now. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. What does it say do? Above all else? Seek the kingdom of God. Not don't seek what my, how much money I can make. Don't seek what, you know, what this and that. Seek the kingdom of God. When you seek the kingdom of God, you won't make bad decisions in the moment. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And then there's something else I must do. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. There's some people living righteously but not seeking the kingdom all the time. Or there's some people seeking the kingdom and they're not living righteous and they want to know why are my needs not being met? Why do I have this inconsistency in my life? It's because it's a combination of all things. And then it goes on to say in verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I don't know who the Lord is speaking to right now. But there's someone worried about tomorrow. And the Lord sent me all the way from Syracuse, New York, to tell you today, stop worrying about tomorrow. Choose God in the moment right now. Allow his presence to come on your life. Allow his peace to come into you right now. Why did he say don't worry about tomorrow? For tomorrow will bring its own worries. 
I want you to see how clear the Bible is. The Bible is telling us that because we're Christians doesn't mean we're not going to have challenges. Doesn't mean we're not going to have issues. Doesn't mean we're not going to even be tempted to worry. But it says, what do I do? I have to first seek the kingdom above all else and, and, and don't worry. Worry never fixes anything. Matter of fact, if worrying was the, was, was the answer, we'll all be rich, all our bills will be paid, all our children will be doing everything we want. I mean, life would just be perfect, wouldn't it? Worry doesn't do anything but hurt you. So he says, for tomorrow will bring his own worries. And there's no better example in Scripture of someone being faced with two or more choices and chooses something opposite of what God. We know them as Adam and Eve. All of the idea of choosing God in the moment started with two trees. You know, there are 23,000 trees in the world. And God said to them, the two most important trees are right now, right before you. And we see that God talks about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of mankind was depending and decided by these, these two trees that Adam and Eve were faced with. The garden was full of good choices. And they made one bad choice that changed it all. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, when you turn there with me. Are you being blessed so far? Okay, all right, good. How about the rest of you? How are you doing? Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Then the Lord God planted a, garden in the e planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there placed the man he had made. And the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 15, the Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I like something I see here in verse 16. How is it that we can make choices in the moment for God? God's given us a way to do it. The Bible says here in verse 16, but the Lord God warned him. I want you to know tonight or today that warnings are not always bad. The Holy Spirit will warn you. The Holy Spirit will help you. What is a warning? A warning is simply defined as this, advance notice of something. When you allow the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, he will give you an advance warning of something. I like good warning signs. Amen. I like when I see a sign that says, uh, um, slippery when wet. I like a good warning sign. I live in Syracuse where it's snow and it says, icy, be careful. I'm walking like, man, I'm literally walking like this when I see a good warning sign. Warning signs are not bad. We often think they are. We see warning. But the Holy Spirit will give us a warning, a reason, a, 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 a head up, heads up, listen, advance notice of something. Matter of fact, let's just pray that right now. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to warn me, to give me advance notice in my life. Amen. This is one of the reasons he gave us the Holy Spirit, to give us advance notice. 
This is how you do this. And sometimes we don't want to hear I remember years ago, I, I went out and I thought, I'm, you know, I wanted a certain car. And I decided I'm going to buy this car uh, and get, get this car because this car was nice. And, you know, I, I had, you know, what I thought was good credit. I know now I did not have any. I, didn't, I couldn't afford it, all of that. But it was like, oh, amen, praise God. God meets all my needs. And I heard the warning signs going off the whole time, but I, started, I ignored them. I get this car. I bring this car home. And I say to my wife, look, look what we have. She says, we don't have anything. We didn't buy this. You bought this. I never felt, I, one of the most uh, uneasy things is to be in, in a place where I know I wasn't in agreement with my wife and I went against her. I mean, and it took her months before she ever rolled in the car, first of all. I mean, and I thought the car was nice till I started getting those car notes. That's what the Holy Spirit was warning me of. And I remember when she first rode in the car, uh, first she would ride in the car and she would like almost be leaning on the door. She was so like, I don't even want to be in this car. It was the most uncomfortable thing. I couldn't wait to get rid of that car because I did not listen to the advance notice of the Holy Spirit trying to tell me the whole time when they were sitting there running game on me and telling me all these things, making me feel good so I can buy this car that I could not afford. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. How does the Holy Spirit speak? This is good. I'm telling, uh, last night I was in my hotel and I'm, I'm praying and God's giving me these things. And I, I would get up and walk around and shout in the room because as, I was, as the Lord was giving it to me, I'm shouting and I'm receiving this like, oh, this is so good. Mm, this is so good. But how does the Holy Spirit speak? He speaks not in this thing that we often think about. He doesn't come to you like, oh, I am the Holy Spirit. I have to tell you, right now, if the Holy Spirit showed up to me talking like that, I thought, I'm not going to be sitting around waiting for it. I am the Holy Spirit. Oh, 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 oh. I'm gone. I'm, I'm not like the people in the movies walking around like, oh, hello? Hello? Who is it? You ever, you ever watch those people? Why do they go looking for you know that that's not any, anybody in your house don't sound like that. Why in the world are you going through the house looking for a voice you just heard? I'm going to kill you. No, you're not. <laughs> it, don't, it don't be us, you know, it don't be us. They don't, they don't get us. They, they get other people. You ever see? They get other people. We fall. Literally, like, why, why in the world are you being chased by uh, whatever it is and you run in the woods? And scream till the thing catches you. You ever, you ever notice it? I'm, I'm, I'm a little off script here, but that's okay. I have to do this. Because this is how some people are in life. They just run away from what God says. Run away from the word, and they run in the woods. They run away from all the lights in the neighborhood. All the night. Neighbors, lights everywhere. You're going to run to the darkest place 
and something is coming at you like this. I mean, walking this slow, she falls down and screams to something that's walking 0.5 miles an hour. The same thing happens in life. So many people are falling down or running away from what the Word of God says. Here's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. If you're taking notes, write this down. First way he speaks to you is personally in your heart. He speaks personally in your heart. 99% of the time, we know the Spirit of God is telling us to do something. He's telling us this is what you should choose. We just don't want to hear it. Second way the Holy Spirit speaks to us that are believers and have the Word of God, He normally speaks through people we love. He speaks through people that we love that we have in our life. God speaks to me often through my wife. I don't want to hear it, but it's God. I know it. Matter of fact, at home, I am not Pastor Lee. If I get called Pastor Lee at home, I'm in trouble because I haven't done something I'm supposed to do. And so she's quick to say, Pastor? Dang it, what did I do? I didn't do something. God often speaks through our parents. He speaks through our husbands, our wives, our children. Your children will ask you a question. Um, um, mommy, why are you drinking that? <laughs> Baby, you don't worry about mama. You worry about you. That's the Lord speaking through your child. Say amen or ouch, either one, it works, either one. God speaks through people of influence in our life. People like our youth leaders, people like our pastors, like guest speakers that come in on Sunday mornings. I know I'm not saying anything that Pastor Richard hadn't said in the last umpteenth years. But for some reason, it takes a preacher to come in from out of town to say the same thing that he and the other pastors have been saying to you for years, and all of a sudden it's revelation. Ooh, boy, you preaching today. You preaching today, boy. Lord speaks to us. In Africa, there's this bird. It's called the go-away bird. Love this bird. The go-away bird is a bird that he has kind of a, a, an assignment on its life in the jungle. The go-away bird flies into uh, areas where prey are, uh, animals are preying on animals that cannot be seen. They don't see it. They're just kind of doing their thing. And, and then all, all of a sudden, this, this bird will fly to a nearby tree, and they call it the go-away bird because it sounds like it's saying, get away, when it chirps. So literally, it's like, get away, get away, get away, get away. And the other animals are like, you know, I can imagine, you know, animal has his head down. He's like, get away. I'm out of here. The Lord, I believe, that the Holy Spirit is like the getaway bird. If we just listen, he's speaking. She coming up to you all pretty and all talking all sexy, and the Holy Spirit like, get away. 
The Holy Spirit will speak. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And, and people often ask, why did Adam and Eve choose to eat from the tree that they were told not to touch? It's the same reason today what people choose to do the exact opposite of the things the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. He's speaking to us constantly. And that's how we make choices in the moment, by listening to him. I have a nephew that I love him with all my heart. And I raised him, really, I was the only man in his life. And he now is speaking and talking and living for God, and, but there's, he could be doing so much better. He's actually paralyzed from his neck down. And he, if you talk to him now, you hear God in his life, and you hear him talking about things. And um, I don't know, did I send the picture? There's a picture of him there, and um, of Donis, my nephew. And I talk to him all the time, and I hear him saying things now to me that I was telling him 20 years ago that he wouldn't listen to. He wouldn't listen, and now he's like, Uncle, I just wish I would have listened. I wish I would have done things, but he got into a fight in a place where he shouldn't be, and he got picked up by two guys and thrown down on his neck, and it caused him to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. If he just listened. Matter of fact, um, he said this as a young person. This is a quote from him. As a young person, I used to pretend I was listening to the people of authority in my life. Now that I'm older, I realize the people of authority in my life have experienced things in life that I'm trying to figure out. Don't wait until it's too late to choose what is right. Don't, wait, or don't wake up one day and realize that you wasted time trying to figure out things that have already been figured out for you. Yeah. Choose God in the moment. He talks about it now, talks about it. He knew at that moment he should have left that, that, that event before it happened, but his ego wouldn't let him. His pride wouldn't let him, so he ignored it, and he got into a fight that, that changed his life forever. There's a quote that says that some people mess up something good by looking for something better to end up with something worse. You see, I believe in the Garden of Eden. People make a lot of, make a whole lot of, issues about the trees. I believe the trees weren't as special as we make them. I believe the trees were trees, but I believe there were nothing more, nothing less. I believe what God was really saying to Adam and Eve is to trust me, to choose me. It was about the choices that they made. It wasn't about the tree itself. What is God saying to you today? What is God speaking to you today about choosing him in the moment? The devil is so cunning and crafty, he will come at us with all kinds of things. He did it with Adam and Eve. We see in the book of Genesis chapter 3 how he just came at them. He, the Bible says he's shrewd and, uh, and, and he knows certain things. And I love, I love how the word just gives us the, the answer. And the devil will come to us just like he came to Adam and Eve in Genesis. In verse 4 he says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, you won't die. He'll tell you, no, you you'll never be addicted. Uh, it'll never happen to you. You're different. He lies to us to the, right now. You know, who, 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 it'll never happen to you. You'll never have that situation in your life. That's them. You're smarter than that. You're streetwise. You're a man. You're a real woman. It'll never happen to you. 
The enemy is lying to you. You know what's, what's amazing after Adam and Eve? We're still passing the test of temptation right now. Today we're still passing the test of the two trees right now. Temptation. The trap that the enemy tries to trap people with. A trap is something which one is caught unaware, making it hard to escape. Temptations are going to continue to come. As long as we're alive, they're going to be here. But I have a saying that says that temptations are like seagulls. If you feed one, many more will come. You ever fed a seagull one? Literally, in moments, there are many, many more that are coming. And they fight each other. They just, they thugs. They be fighting each other and all of that. And that's what temptations do. One temptation after the next keeps coming, keeps coming. And we cannot allow the temptations that the enemy throws at us that become traps that keep us from choosing God in the moment. What are some of those traps? Thank you for asking. Trap of disobedient. Disobedience is a trap from the enemy. It's rebellion. And we often look at disobedience from the idea of children, but I just want to talk to you. You are children to God as well. And so we cannot fall for the trap of disobedience. We cannot fall for the trap of disrespect. Some people disrespect God, disrespect the authorities of God in their life, but we respect everything else except the things that we're supposed to respect. It's a trap of being, when you're disrespectful. When you're disrespectful towards your parents, you're setting yourself up for a trap. I can't understand young people today. I can't understand how they're allowed to do some of the things they do today. I still cringe watching a child talk back to their parents, going back and forth and, and asking why. I don't have the nerve. Matter of fact, I can't even think about doing it now. I think my mom's going to come from her grave and come up here and slap me. But disrespect is at the highest level it's ever been before. And it's a trap that the enemy is setting you up. Denial is another trap that the enemy uses against people of God. Denial, I'm different. It can happen to me. Denial, I, I, I'll never get, uh, you know, on drugs. I, it's only one drink. It's only one kiss. It's only one time. Distractions is another trap. The enemy will set us up with, uh, uh, um, with distractions to, to pay attention. You know what distraction is? It's to pay attention to the wrong thing. And then deception is a trap. Temptation will always be a part of our life. But just because the enemy shows us and tempts us, doesn't mean we have to accept it. It's coming from somewhere. He's going to tempt you. Where is he going to tempt you? This is why we have to work on ourselves. James chapter 1, and I'm going to wrap this up here. James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempting you to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drags us away. These desires will give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, the devil can't make you sin. 
He can't make you sin. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He presented you an opportunity. He, he ordered for you, but you don't have to accept the order. At the end of the day, God doesn't even choose for us. He puts it before us. God is not tempting us. The Bible says we are the ones that make the decision based on our desires. If you know right now that pornography is an issue in your life, it's not something to be ashamed of or try to hide. It's going to only get deeper and deeper. Get some help. Own it now, man, I'm telling you. Not just men, women as well. It's a trap. It's a, it's a temporary satisfaction. It's going to cause you, you'll never fulfill what you see on that film. And why do I keep opening the door? If that's a trap, why do I keep opening the door to that? Why keep opening the door? You know, it's amazing. You ever been on your computer, open up your com computer? You weren't even looking at it. You weren't even thinking about it. Something pops up. And there she is. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you go look at, don't go, don't, don't wave back. Stop allowing the world, the devil, to order your life for you. You can say no. Look, you ever, you ever seen, you know what's going on. You know this is not right for you, but why do you order it anyway? Why do you just, why, you know, why do you act like you don't know it's, that's what's up there? You ever seen somebody at a restaurant and they know what's up on the menu and they're like, um, man, would you hurry up, man? I'm trying to, do y'all still sell? Yes, you know they still sell that. It's like you're going through life, like people going through life, like, um, yes, can I have, um, a sin combo, please. With a super side of disappointment, please. Yeah, I want that. Stop ordering from that, amen? Start choosing God. Start choosing God. Stop. Like, uh, can I have some jealousy, some rebellion, and a side of I don't care? The Bible says we have a responsibility to be different. In Romans chapter 12, it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Hallelujah. Life is choice-driven. We live or we die by the choices that we make. When it comes to my life, when it comes to my future, when it comes to my choices, I get to choose. You're responsible for your choices. So choose God in the moment. Every decision that you make creates a new future. That future can be bright or that future can be dark. But every decision I make, it's a decision I make in 
it creates a new future. And so I must build my decisions around the promises of God's word. Why? God's given us the answer. There were 7,000 promises in the Bible, and God's given us the answer to the test. I don't have to guess. I don't have to be 50-50. He's given me the answer to the test. I just follow the promises of his word, and I will choose him in the moment every single time. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Trusting him, faith, having faith in him. You know what faith is? Let me give you a simple definition of faith. Faith is acting, believing, and confessing the word of God. Acting, believing, and confessing the word of God. Acting on the word of God, believing the word of God is truth, and confessing it out of my mouth before anything ever happens. You don't have to show me anything. I don't need evidence. That's what it means to believe and have faith in God. And so I must put the word in my heart now when I don't need it so it'll be there for me when I do need it. I'm acting on the word based on what I put in, what I believe the word of God says, based on what I've been confessing about the word. I cannot allow temporary situations and panic situations to pull me away. I'm going to choose God in the moment. When my youngest daughter was born, Jordan, when she was born, I was so excited when she was coming into the world, I was in the room and I'm watching this happen and I'm like, oh my gosh, she comes out. First of all, I, I did not know, I, you know, I, I was praying and asking God, God, you're gonna have to do something because what I saw, I, I wasn't really happy with. She didn't look like what I wanted her to look like. Be honest with you. She looked like, honestly, she's a little too purple. And, and I, I thought like, God, y'all, you paying me back for me talking about people's children all my life and, <laughs> no. She looked like a little she looked like a little little alien, you know, she you know, just like all balled up. But that right away I saw t there was a t uh, the whole atmosphere changed in the room because she was not breathing. And and I'm watching the doctors and the nurses and they're all talking and they start using terminology that seemed like it was a emergency and they start saying code this and code that and so immediately I began to pray in the spirit I wasn't in fear but I began to pray in under underneath my underneath them I wasn't overriding them I went in I move out of the way in the name of Jesus I, I lay my hands on her you breathe no I didn't do any of that I just started in my spirit I just start praying and then they grabbed they cut the umbilical cord and they grabbed her and they ran out of the room and when they ran out of the room I ran right behind them they had no idea I was with them. And it was cold this, cold this. Everybody's running down the hall. I'm running with them. They're in this room with my baby, and I'm watching her laying on that table with no breath coming out of her. And I'm praying in the spirit. They're doing their thing, and I'm praying. And every time I pray, I start to see, I begin to see her little, take little breaths. And, and then she began to cry. And now today, she's full of life. What will you do in the moment? Will you be in fear? Will you say, oh my God? Or would you say, oh my God is going to get us through this? What do you do when you're faced 
would miss in a mountain. The Bible says in Mark 11, 23, Surely I say unto you, whoever say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe, act, believe, and confess the word of God, that those things, what he will, will be done, he will have whatever he says. My gosh, this is good. Choosing God in the moment. I can't, I can't, it's hard to see that. It's a lot of things. Do, do you know that in this room right now, there are waves in this room? There, there's waves going through this room. This is how you're able to hear me. This is how you're able to see me as you're watching this. It's because there are invisible waves that you cannot see that's transmitting and making this microphone that's on my face and this pack that's on my back work. You can't see it, but you appreciate it. You know it's real. The same thing is when it comes to faith and choosing God in the moment. You may not be able to hold it. You may not be able to see it, but you've got to do what the Word of God says. I love what the Word of God says in Isaiah 26.3, that we keep him in perfect peace who all trust in him, whose thoughts are fixed on him. I'm fixed. That word fixed means I'm locked in, I'm decided already. No, nothing, I'm not subject to change. I'm locked in. So no matter what the situation is coming my way, I choose God. No matter the pressure, the fear, the, I choose God. And I encourage you today to choose God. As a man, think it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can choose God. God gave you the ability to choose. God was so intentional and strategic. You are not an accident. You have the ability, no matter what you've done in the past, you have the ability to do it. You gotta put the word of God in your heart, it's there. That's why God gave us a subconscious. We actually have a subconscious. We actually have things that we cannot see. God gave you a brain, that that brain is there. The average brain is three pounds. The average brain is three pounds. If it performs over 400 billion actions at one single time. We all have that ability on the inside of us. The brain processes millions and millions of messages per second. The brain is not even fully developed until it's 20 to 25 years old. That explains a lot. <laughs> but here's the most powerful thing that researchers have found out that study the brain. That 96% of all decisions are subconsciously made. 96% of all decisions that we make are subconsciously made. What is that saying? You have already decided what you're going to do before you have to decide on it. And here's why it's so important to make sure that what's inside of me is the Word of God. This is why Joshua 1 and 8 says, meditate on the Word day and night. Do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. If I'm 96% of my decisions are subconsciously made, I've got to make sure that I'm making decisions based on the 7,000 promises that God's Word says I should. That's why I meditate on it. That's how, that's how you choose God in the moment. And that's why the enemy 
attacks our thinking. That's his plan. Worship team, you can come up or whoever's going to play on the close. Let me share with you one more scripture. Can you take one more scripture? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, he blinds the minds of those who don't believe. Look how he shows up. He blinds the minds. He's coming after our thinking because if we think, and God told us uh, in Scripture in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts already. So the enemy knows that. Notice he did not say he blinds the eyes. No, he blinds the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is why we must put the word of God in our heart so we can act, believe, and confess that. And that's how we make the right choices in the moment. It also doesn't mean you're going to get it right all the time. I'd rather get it wrong knowing I did the right thing. Knowing that God, you know what, I missed it. Because listen, we miss God. We all do. And sometimes people get in this mindset that i got to be perfect. It has to be perfect. No, it's not going to be perfect. We're not perfect. But I'm going to do everything in my power to choose God to make the decisions that glorify him, that bring about glory to him and the kingdom. So choose God in the moment. Father, we thank